What's up, punk bitches? We're back again with another episode of the EEIG podcast. The auction draft is done. First game of the season is in the books. It's a pretty shit game, but the season is here. But we got we want to dive into the draft today. We're here for a little draft recap as well as previewing the first matchups of the EEIG season. As always, I'm joined by the commish, Connor McHugh. And we also got a special guest joining the show. He couldn't keep it in his pants yesterday, so you already know who it is. It's Joe. How's it going, Joe? It's been pretty good. Got to be the first one on since I am a five-time champion of the EEIG. Yeah, welcome to the lion's den, Joe. Mm-hmm. No one cares about your past championship. Yep, no one gives a shit. <laughs> here we go. What's more important is that the auction draft, the very first ever auction draft in EEIG history, happened yesterday wednesday and we're gonna break down some of the uh power rankings of the draft and then some of the best picks and the worst picks from the first auction draft and then like i said we're gonna break down some of the week one matchups and um each of us here is going to give some positions and we also have some some discussions from the draft uh, that we want to dive into but first for all of us, it was the it was the first EI the auction draft EIG history. Um, for us, some of us, it was our first auction draft ever. For some of us, we have done some auction drafts before, but it's always a unique experience. And I'm gonna start with Connor. What was your thoughts on the on as the commission? What were your thoughts on your on the first EIG auction draft and the auction draft for yourself? Well, first of all, thank you for the introduction. You've left off the fact that I'm the box out king, so. At least next time, could you include that? Second of all, uh, Joe, how does it feel that your brother went to me first? How does that feel? Uh, it's like not really surprising because my brother like secretly hates me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not really a surprise. I think that he said that during the draft when you were bidding up his players. To be honest, um, I think that the draft was awesome. I mean, I had a good time. It was fun talking to people in Discord, the people who didn't mute themselves. Uh. It's interesting, too, to watch people's different strategies and who they target. And uh, I think that it was pretty clear that, I mean, obviously, we probably all did some level of research. And whatever we did, though, those auction values are typically based off of having one flex and having six benches since that's standard. So adding two more players, um, I think, made a really big difference. And a lot of people didn't have a lot of money. Uh, they, they blew their loads a little early, so that was interesting. Or they really targeted a position and uh, didn't have enough running backs or – Actually, mostly just running backs or quarterbacks, I guess. So it was, uh, I had a good time. What do you think, Joe? I thought it was good. I had a little bit of a weird kind of a strategy going in. It's um, something where I had, surprisingly, I had a lot of the receivers probably valued lower than most people had them. um, Just because I thought there was a lot of receivers in this year that you can get decent value on that are a little bit cheaper uh, compared to the running backs. So I kind of thought it was, I kind of had a unique kind of strategy going into it that I think like a lot of people didn't necessarily think the same way that I did. Yeah. And I know for myself, like Connor was saying, I was someone who was being pretty aggressive early on. I bid on and won like three top running backs in the first probably 20 minutes and then also picked up Travis Kelsey. So I was someone who during the middle of the draft, I wasn't really able to bid because I was pretty low on funds. I think for most people, I mean, hide and sight's always 2020. So after the draft, you're thinking of what you could have done different. 
but overall i'm pretty happy um with who i got and how my team is looking even though the first game of the season doesn't have me off to quite the hot start but connor what are, what, what are your thoughts on your team keep after, in mind it's, ma- it's, it's a marathon not a sprint and you know and i know that because i'm a long distance runner it's one of my hobbies i think my team's great um i really do uh, i actually so i I was thinking about double dipping into tight ends this year because I felt like the top five tight ends are basically a strong flex play. And that the stats kind of back that up. I mean, Ertz, Kelsey, and Kittle were all basically like top 12 wide receivers last year statistically. So I really like that, and I really didn't like the fact that there's a huge drop-off. So for me, I was looking to double dip, and I did. I got uh, Kittle and Ingram. Actually, I wasn't really trying to get Ingram. I was um, really looking at O.J. Howard, but um, no one – bid more than me for Ingram. So I got him. So that was really nice. I got him at a lower price than I thought I would. I really like Christian McCaffrey this year. I really wanted a strong running back. So I was pumped about that. I know there's probably an overpay, but that's what you have to do with the guy you like who's at the top of his position. I really like Juju. So I'm pumped about that. I think my wide receiver core is awesome. Um, I just uh, wish I could, you know, had a better RB2. That's about it though. All right. So the, you know, the guy who got last place last year is looking pretty optimistic about his team. Another person who didn't make the playoffs last year, Joe, how are you feeling about your team? I'm actually feeling really good about my team. I ended up getting a couple of RB1s early. I got Le'Veon Bell and Joe Mixon uh, relatively early. And then I was also able to scoop up Marlon Mack, who I have as an RB2 at a cheaper price than a lot of RB2s were going for. So that actually let me build kind of a little bit of a deeper team than I was expecting. I think I have a really strong bench, which also implies that I'll probably be making a trade at some point in the year as people have injuries on their roster and need to trade, say, one of their studs for three potential starters. I think I'll be have the assets to be able to make a move a little bit later in the year. I disagree with all of that. I think your, your bench sucks. I mean, you got, what, uh, Peyton Barber? Like... Are you kidding? Kalen Balage, Jonamo Allison, Cortland Sutton? Are you kidding me? So uh, I'm just going to start off right away rebutting that because that's ridiculous. But you can say Joe did listen to the first podcast. He listened to Connor's uh, running back advice, scooping up Marlon Mack. It's true. I mean, I think that's a, I think that your first three uh, picks, Le'Veon Bell, Joe Mixon, Marlon Mack, not only did you get three awesome running backs, but you got them for pretty much either at value or below value. So all solid. And actually, I think T.Y. is going to be just fine this year. Yeah, I was kind of pumped about that because I think I don't think Jacoby Brissett's Andrew Luck. I don't think he is terrible and should be able to still have the Colts uh, scoring quite a bit of points. I also don't think Jacoby Brissett is Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. I think that is a that's a pretty factual statement. In fact, they might be two different people. But you know, I think at this point, there everyone's probably thinking that their team is a championship contender as they should be but what we're gonna do now is we're gonna look into some uh draft rankings so um i don't know how many of you guys are familiar at the site fantasy pros but on fantasy pros you can actually um sync your your league with um with their draft wizard and it will spit out some rankings for you and uh give some scores and rank uh starters in the bench and give an overall ranking so we're gonna what we're gonna do is break those down and have a little discussion so it breaks into three categories overall starters and bench and gives you scores for all three so um the top overall score is out of i think it's 1250 so starters is out of 900 and bench is out of 350 
so yeah start overall scores out of 1250 math strong math there for me so what do we want to start with do we want to start with the top of the rankings or the bottom bottom all right guys start with bottom so coming at number 12 a little bit of surprise here, considering it's our defending champion, Jordan Hazari, oh, coming oh, in at number oh. 12 with a score of 753. I thought he did fine. I didn't think he was going to be last. I think I disagree. So uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on, uh, on, his, on his score, Joe, and his ranking? So the reason why I think Jordan's was super low is I had him with three bitty, pretty big overpays. And a couple of one of them we're going to be talking about later. But I think in a league as competitive as the EEIG, you just can't make mistakes with overpays. And if you punt away, say, like $20 or so, it's going to be reflective in your score. All right, we got a phone call there. Uh, Someone's calling into the podcast? I think we got might have a special guest joining us the show, but uh, we'll have to see about that one. It honestly sounds like a fax machine. <laughs> Someone's calling the Erickson household at 8.48 p.m. on a Thursday night. Not sure who that is, but as we keep rolling here, uh, we don't want to spend a ton of time on it. So it's going to roll through the standings until we get to the top uh, five or six. So coming at number 11, we got Spencer with the score of 8.11. Number 10 is Hovey's Heroes, Eric Hovey with the score of 8.52. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> number nine is andrew mccory with a score of 885 number eight tristan with the score of 891 number seven jerry with the score of 892 so that's your bottom six teams so that leaves all three of us are going to be in the top six so you know if you guys ever want to be listening to anybody about fantasy advice you've come to the right place and i would say that spencer at 11 like i understand why that algorithm would would put his team there but he had a very specific draft strategy so i think he'll be making some trades and his team value will go up all right so now we're diving into the top six of the overall scores so coming at number six a little bit of surprise here we got chris smart with a score at 901 we gotta check that algorithm yeah i think we want to want to see if uh Fancy Pros is sure about that score. But, go under the hood. But uh, I'll have to do some calculations and check back in. At number five, we got Ben Hazari with the score, just coming in just above Chris with the score of 904. At number four, we got Curtis with a score of 926. Coming in just above Are we double top three? With a score of 934, we got <laughs> Why So Mercurious, Connor McKee. Oh, that's such bullshit. I'm definitely top two. <laughs> Number two, yours truly, Eric Erickson with a score oh, of 944. My. And coming in at number one, five-time champ Joe with the score of 1019. Before Joe even says anything, all I'm going to say is that I know for a fact that Joe drafted based off the rankings given by my fantasy pros, so I'm not surprised that my fantasy pros algorithm says he has a good team. So if to break down into a little more, it, it ranks the starters and the bench. So for starters, it actually has myself listed as the top score for starters, the score of 858 out of 900. And uh, Jordan comes in last once again in that category with the score of 535. Who has the best bench? And the best bench, that's going to go to Joe with a score of 298. And the worst bench is going to go to Tristan with a score of 83. So my team had this top starters, and I actually had the 11th bench, which obviously isn't a huge surprise considering I bid on 
for um, pretty high salary players early on, and I wasn't able to really make any bids until the very end. I think um, there was already two or three people that completed their teams, and I maybe only had five or six players out of the 17 that we bid on. Did anyone else have any thoughts about uh, about those rankings after hearing them? That doesn't surprise me um, a bit, kind of looking at how Fantasy Pros rank teams uh, that sounds like relatively accurate. Um, I was a little bit surprised that Spencer's was 11th. I thought he'd be like eighth or ninth right now, just because I think there's some easy trades that can be made with his strategy. And I was actually a little bit surprised Curtis was fourth. I thought he would maybe be second or third. Connor, Joe's thinking that uh, Curtis should have maybe jumped over me and you. What are you? What are you thinking? Well, first of all, I shouldn't be third. I should be at least top two. So he's not jumping over me. I can guarantee you that. Um, you know, once again, man, it's my fantasy pros. This is the this is the Joe machine. You know, Our, the savant in the league, Joe Erickson. You know, created this little algorithm, punched out some numbers, got some values. He drafted off those values. I'm not surprised. My fantasy pros is sucking his dick right now. For sure. But now that we've seen uh, kind of the, you know, what Fantasy Pros thinks and kind of an overview of the league, we want to dive into the nitty gritty of the draft. We want to give some kudos to some um, league members who made some good picks, as well as shit on those who made bad picks. But we're going to start with the good. Always always start good to start with the good news first. We're going to go into some best values. So let's start with Joe. I think Joe's done the most research on this. He had his own values going in. Let's start with Joe's we're gonna everyone's gonna give two players who they think were the best picks made so let's start with joe so the set of picks that i thought were the best one the first one i have is kind of a combined set so it's the spencer pickup of damian williams and Lashawn mccoy for a total of 26 dollars i actually had that pair valued at 44 dollars because i think whoever ends up being the running back in kansas city's offense is a top 10 running back an explosive offense that's going to score a ton of points. I think there's a decent chance it doesn't end up being a timeshare situation and one person wins that job. So I think whoever ends up being the main back in that is going to be a top 10 fantasy back. And I think that ends up being great value for a total of $26. The second value pick that I had that I thought was a really good deal was actually really surprisingly Chris Smart um, with his pickup of Duke Johnson for $14. I think, again, the Texans should have a good offense. Lamar Miller has really like struggled in that offense when people thought he could break out. And I think that um, Duke Johnson's kind of taking over that role with Lamar Miller going on IR, and he should have every opportunity to be a um, top 15 fantasy back. I think top 15 might be stretching it, but I think with the half-point PPR, that definitely kind of raises his floor a little bit. And even though Carlos Hyde might take some carries, I think Duke Johnson will still get quite a bit of few rushes as well. I'm curious what you think about the Damian Williams and Sean McCoy pick. I do agree that for $26, that's probably less than they were worth. But do you think that the value in the picks drops considering that like when he when Spencer picked them up, I think LaShawn McCoy was his eighth running back he had drafted at the time? So normally I would agree, but I think it's like a great handcuff with Damian Williams because you're basically guaranteeing yourself you're going to have the starting running back in Kansas City. And I think the $5 that he paid for that is like worth the insurance. 
unless Darwin Thompson comes out of nowhere week five or six and becomes the lead back who Curtis got for $2. Correct. Yeah, I'd probably, I, I'm, I'm a, I think Williams is going to be, end up being the guy, but I see you're saying that and that he's guaranteed one. So you heard it from Joe. Those are his best picks. Kudos to Spencer and Chris. Now let's kick it over to Connor to give some of his best values. Yeah, so we're doing top two, but you know I'm going to expand that, seeing I'm, that I'm the commissioner, I can do what I want. So number three, I'm going to give myself uh, some props. We're getting Mr. Juju Smith-Schuster for $42. I think that he's going to be easily a top five wide receiver this year. He, I think he could potentially get the most amount of points at the position, and for $42, that's a very good deal. To be honest, I uh, I was I almost yelled when I got him, but I didn't want you guys to know since we're all on a Discord, so I didn't because I didn't want to give anyone the satisfaction of knowing how I feel. Number two, um, I really like Sterling Shepard. I think he's okay as a wide receiver, but he really has that opportunity this year, especially with Golden Tate out. Chris got him for seven bucks. I think for seven bucks, you can do a lot worse, and I think he'll be a, either a top end wide receiver three or bottom wide receiver two for $7. That's not bad. And there's a lot of upside with that pick where he could become the main man in that offense. And number one, and I am dead serious. I made this list before the news came out today that Mr. Antonio Brown is even more crazier than we thought, but Jerry got Tyrell Williams for $2. If Antonio Brown misses time because he threatened Mike Mayock with a football to like throw it at him, right. And get suspended for a couple games. Who knows what's going to happen with Antonio Brown, but for $2, you could potentially get the number one wide receiver in the Raiders offense. That's a great deal. And I really appreciate Jerry for going out on a limb there. So I know, so Connor gave kudos himself for Juju at $42. I think Joe probably had Juju valued at less than that. So Joe, what were your thoughts on Connor's pick of Smith Schuster for 42 bucks? Okay. So here's my thing. So Juju is one of the top guys at his position so it's hard to overpay when you're getting an elite, elite guy. The only issue I had is just I had receivers valued a lot lower than I think a lot of people did. So I had DeAndre Hopkins as my number one receiver valued at $40. And Juju Smith's actually my number four receiver at $36. So I can't really hate on the pick. I just had receivers valued lower than I think a lot of people did this year. But you're probably getting, you're definitely getting a top, a guy who I have as a top five ranked receiver. And I wouldn't be surprised if he did what Connor um, is thinking he can do and does become the number one receiver. I just had receivers valued lower this year. For sure. I'm just, I'm also just curious to see how Juju Smith plays this year when he is the top target. And he's the, he's the guy that defenses, defenses are focusing on um, every single game. But, you know, only, the future will tell what's in store. So actually, Antonio Brown missed a couple games last year, and uh, Juju was fine. That's one of the reasons why I really like him this year. And last but not least, I'm going to give my value picks. And sadly, both of the people I picked are the two other people on this podcast. So the first one was Chris Godwin for $16. The reason I like this is because I think Godwin has the potential to be a top 10 receiver this year. And at $16, it's a really cheap price compared to what people were paying for those wide receivers who are already seen as those top 10 guys. And my second pick, we've already talked about him once, was Evan Ingram for $9. You know, Connor, as discussed on the last podcast, Connor had Ingram as his number three tight end. 
a lot of people has him in that number four or number five range. And considering what the top three tight ends went for, Ertz, Kelsey, and George Kittle, getting Ingram for $9, I feel like is a steal. And with the two flex spots in our league, Connor's going to easily be able to play both Ingram and you have Kittle as your other tight end, right? That's right. Um, I'm going to come out. I'm going to come out right away and uh, I'm going to question your number one with Chris Godwin at $16. I think that's a great deal to be totally honest with you. I think that's a great pick by Joe. I really like Godwin this year, but how can you say that's a better deal than getting Tyler Boyd for $10? Because in my eyes, they're very similar players who could potentially, they're basically wide receiver twos who could really get into that wide receiver one bracket. And I got him for $6 less than Joe got Chris Godwin. I just think with Tyler Boyd, like his ceiling is definitely not a number one, like a top 10 receiver. Even if like the Bengals have never been an offense um, that is much to scare. Godwin's in a really fancy friendly offense. They're not a good defense, so they're going to be behind in a lot of games. Um, Winston's going to be throwing the ball a lot. They've already shown they can be, have, you know, Evans and Godwin both be really productive fantasy receivers. I just don't think the ceiling is quite as high with Boyd as it would be with Godwin. And I'll actually point something out too. As an avid daily fantasy player, it's been like the secret for the past year that Bucks are the best guys. Bucks receivers are sneaky good because Tampa Bay's defense is awful and they are behind in every game and having to throw the ball 50 times. You got anything else on that, Con? No, that's a good point. All right. Well, now that we've gave kudos to some of the owners, now we want to break down some of our worst picks of the draft. So let's start with me since I had capped it off there. We each have two. I got two. The first one was Austin Eckler at $28, and that was by Eric Covey. But I'm going to put a little bit of an asterisk next to this one, and I'll explain. So for $28, you know, Austin Eckler was a bit of an overpay considering the other running backs in his range, what they were going for. I think he would maybe be more in that maybe $12 to $15 range, maybe getting up into the 18 to 20 However, if Melvin Gordon is out for a long period of time, Austin Eckler could end up being someone who gives an output of a $28 player. But on the other end of that, if Melvin Gordon announced that he was coming back you know that he's going to play this weekend if he announced tomorrow that he was coming back or after one week he decided to come back having to pay $28 for Austin Eckler would be a pretty big detriment to your team and then my second worst pick was Curtis Samuel for $16 which was made by Jerry I think Samuel was more a receiver that was in the three to five dollar range maybe and when you're paying sixteen dollars you're paying the same you, you know jerry paid the same price for curtis samuel as joe did for chris godwin or for receivers like robert woods or even a josh gordon so i just don't think samuel has the potential to really give that kind of output and is not really even in the same range as those players and let's kick it over to connor to give uh, his thoughts on the, the worst picks. Sure. So obviously, uh, unlike the other two idiots in this podcast, I start from the bottom. So number two is a uh, Matt Ryan, $8 by Tristan. Um, I think Matt Ryan will definitely be a top 10 quarterback. I think he's going to easily QB one Falcons have a high powered offense, but $8 is a crazy overpay for Matt Ryan. Um, that's the same price that I got Aaron Rodgers. Cam Newton went for $7. I think that, uh, I don't know what happened with that draft, but 
maybe he was bidding on the wrong person. You know, maybe Tristan, you know, was drinking at the time or, you know, maybe his monitor shut off and he was just hitting his mouse. Not really sure what happened, but I think that he could have not gone for Matt Ryan and maybe got two quarterbacks for a dollar or two. And actually he ended up getting Dak Prescott for $2 and actually saved some money and then used that later in the draft to take actually some of the sleepers that he likes. And then my worst pick of the draft it's something I kind of talked about in the first podcast. Uh, apparently, no one listens to me. You know, I come out here and I grandstand and I give all my advice. And, you know, I'm just such a just a pleasure to hang out with and be with. And I'm just such an awesome person to give this great advice. And no one listens. It's Melvin Gordon for $17 by Curtis. You know, Melvin Gordon is not going to play this year. He's going to play week 10. That's the first day he's going to come back is week 10 from holding out so he can accrue this season. And then he's gone. He's not going to play for the Chargers next year. $17 for a running back who's going to play three weeks in the regular season, right? And you don't even know if when he comes back, he's going to be the bell cow. They may just sit him on the bench and not play him, right? At the same time, you don't even know if you're in the playoffs at that point. So you're basically overpaying for a guy who may help you later on in the season, but nothing's guaranteed. In my eyes, it's the exact same thing. It's the same situation as Kareem Hunt, who's also coming back week 10. Kareem Hunt went for $3 this draft. How can you compare Kareem Hunt for $3 and Melvin Gordon for 17 It's a huge overpay. I think me, both me and Joe, uh, would maybe argue the opposite against this. Well, I'll start with Joe. I think you would actually consider this a value pick for Curtis. Why would you think? Why do you think $17 for Melvin Gordon was a good pickup? Yeah, so I think $17 is actually a good pickup, uh, Connor. I think that if the payout was in like the $25 to $27 range, I would agree with your point. But I think with fantasy football, you need to be able to take some risks because realistically, the goal is to win the league. The goal isn't to get fourth or fifth or third. The goal is to win the league. And I think this is the type of pick where if Melvin Gordon, if Melvin Gordon all of a sudden just said today, hey, I'm coming back, guys, he's suddenly like a $47, $48 running back. So even if Melvin Gordon just plays the last three weeks in the playoffs, if Curtis makes the playoffs and Melvin Gordon's playing, his team suddenly just becomes a favorite to win the league because it's just such a big boost. It could go as a disaster. If Curtis's team struggles to start the year, he can would possibly have to try and trade Melvin Gordon. But I think that there's going to be a market for Melvin Gordon from people even a little bit later in the year. So I think Curtis will be able to trade Melvin Gordon during the year if it starts to go bad, which is why I don't think at $17 this is a bad pick. Yeah, I would say too. You mentioned that he would, if, if in worst case scenarios, he would be out ten weeks, then he would come back. And then you also mentioned no. That, actually, I'm going to say in best case scenario, he's out ten weeks. So okay, well, let's say he is out ten weeks, and then he comes back, like Joe saying, kind of end of the regular season, end of the fancy regular season, as well as the fancy playoffs. You mentioned that they might just decide to sit him on the bench. I'd actually argue the opposite. I think that they would give him the ball as much as they could because they know that melvin gordon is not going to be a charger next year so they're going to carry they're going to give him as many carries as they want they're going to work him as long as it's working well and i think melvin gordon is obviously a superior running back so he'll be able to put up numbers and we'll have plenty of chances to do so i mean you guys make fair points it seems like we're we all are um not aligned with What's going to happen to Melvin Gordon this year? That's fair. My last point is that this is a bench spot that is being wasted right now for $17. Basically, you lost a bench spot for who knows how many weeks. For me, it's just too much risk to touch for $17.
So I'll be curious to see what happens with Melvin Gordon moving forward and how that uh, either helps or hurts Curtis's team. Last person to give their value, their worst picks is Joe. So who do you got for your two, Joe? So the two that I have, the first one is um, our friend Ben Hazari. Uh, he paid $40 for Odell Beckham. So right now where I have Odell Beckham ranked is a low-end wide receiver one. I think that if you're shelling out $40 for a top-end receiver, he needs to be a lock, basically top-five receiver. And I am just not sure with the Browns' offense this year. Uh, Connor mentioned on an earlier pod, Baker Mayfield is really good at spreading the ball around. He doesn't really lock in on any one receiver. And the Browns' offense just besides Nick Chubb, doesn't have anybody I really want to pay a lot of dollars for. And to follow that at, the second one I have is kind of a combo. It was a batch, I think it seemed like late in the draft, there was a lot of $1-ish players going in like the $7 to $9 range. Uh, Jordan was actually guilty of this twice. He took uh, Valdez Scantling for the Packers in Moncrief. He paid uh, 8 and $9 for and then Tristan paid $7 for James Washington. I mean, like, I like those players as sleepers if you're paying $1 or $2, but to be paying in the $7, $9 range is just way too much. Yes, I know people are, like, hyping up Moncrief or Washington as being potentially the number two receiver for the Steelers, and people think, oh, one of them can do what Juju did as the number two receiver. Neither of those guys are as talented as Juju Smith they're not going to be doing that type of yardage in that role. Best case scenario is that one of them catches for, you know, 700 yards. Yeah. I think you aren't sure which one is going to be that player. So to have to spend that much is a little bit risky. All I'm going to say is that I think that you make a good point and you're obviously playing the odds, but if you like someone, you got to try to get them when you can. And what I saw a lot late was that someone would put up a player that they wanted for a dollar and they would just get bid up to five or six or $7. So for me, obviously, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you don't want to overpay and not get the value that you really want to get late in the draft. But if you want to get your guy, if you think he's going to be good, you got to get him. Cause I'll be fair with that too. I bid, I think two or $3 on, Moncrief and James Washington but I just think paying in the eight or nine dollar range is just way too much all right so you've heard the best values you think you guys got as well as some of the worst picks now we have a couple topics of discussion that were you know if you were in the discord you definitely were hearing about this a couple of topics we wanted to hit on the first one was we've already mentioned it a few times but it's a unique strategy that Spencer took with his draft uh, taking eight running backs and I think they were his first eight picks if I'm I know for a fact the first seven running backs I think he might have grabbed a quarterback but he he did get Deshaun Watson I think with his eighth pick so Spencer Curlier has eight running backs on his roster uh, just to recap those are Devonta Freeman Carrion Johnson Chris Carson Sonny Michelle Derrick Henry Damian Williams LaShawn McCoy so is it eight so in doing so Spencer obviously took a lot of the running backs away but his wide receivers are pretty thin so his top two wide receivers are hollywood brown for the ravens and randall cobb for the cowboys and then on his bench he has debo samuel travis benjamin and preston williams so i think uh, a few of us have diff differing opinions on the spencer strategy i think connor you're a little more against it so let's start with you what are your thoughts on the eight running back strategy 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's the worst strategy in the world, but it, in order for him to win the league, it requires him getting a, a, a good return on value for the picks that he already picked, right? All those running backs. The problem, though, is that well, until that point happens, until he can make those trades, his team is not very good. So he's going to accrue losses at the beginning of the season that will obviously negatively affect him when it comes to uh, deciding who gets into the playoffs and who gets the playoff positioning. I, I think it's fine. I think I maybe would have liked it a little bit more if he got six running backs um, and then maybe got a, a decent wide receiver two instead of Randall Cobb. But, uh, you know, he went balls to the wall, so I do respect and can actually join something in too. I think with the count, he actually got seven, not eight. Who's hosting this podcast? Jesus Christ. You're right. He did get seven. Oh my Strong God. math for me again. <laughs> Joe's the accountant, so leave the numbers up to him. But Joe, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Spencer's strategy and kind of what his moves could be moving forward? So I was actually really excited when Spencer did this because I was able to actually get running backs early and it put a lot of pressure on some people in the draft to overpay for running backs a little bit later on. So I think Spencer's strategy is going to be, he obviously needs to find a trade partner in the league to make an offer with. And I think some people may be a little bit desperate for running backs after one or two weeks. So I think the plan is, if I was Spencer, is that I would wait week one and see kind of how everything pans out and then see who ends up running backs because people are going to need running backs when one, either injuries happen or two people just see how bad the running backs that they actually are starting are. And it's actually a funny, I actually have a trade offer into Spencer for one of his running backs already. Yeah, I tried to trade with him earlier. He basically gave me the finger. The problem though is that you have, I guess, let's see. To be honest, it's six strong running backs in LaShawn McCoy. So it's like, who's basically Damian Williams? So it's basically six running backs, right? If you put Damian mm -hmm. with LaShawn. My mm -hmm. problem is that, like, let's say Derrick Henry, you know, obviously he had a great end of the season last year. Let's say he is not as good as we think he is, right? So no one wants to trade for him. All of a sudden, Devontae Freeman gets injured, right? So he's out. Now he has four running backs. He needs to play those. He has two flexes and two running backs. So in that case, he's actually just an average team or below average because his wide receivers aren't any good. I'm not. I think it's just a lot of a uh, lot of risk trying to get people to trade in this league. Usually, trades don't happen very often. Spencer has more luck than I do when it comes to trades. So maybe he'll be able to finagle something from one of you guys. This is a PS PSA from Connor though: is do not feed the troll. That's what all I'm gonna say is do. When you see a troll, the first thing you want to do is get angry. You want to say something, you know, mean. You want to tell them to go back onto the bridge. But no, what you want to do the most, the most hurtful thing you can do to, to a troll is to ignore him. So I don't know if I'll be trading with them unless it really benefits me. But I'm not about to devalue my own players for, you know, to, to support this kind of draft strategy. Okay? I can't do it. Yeah, I, oh, go ahead, Joe. And I was going to say, to be fair, part of the reason why I offered Spencer a trade is when I looked at the roster, so in my opinion, six of Spence, all six of Spencer's running backs are running back twos in the 12-team league, right? Right, 100%. If you look at, which is good to have in a 12-team league. So, but if you, I looked at the rosters and 15 of the top 24 running backs, in my opinion, are on two teams. So that means there's eight teams with these nine other running backs that probably need to trade for a running back at one point. 
So basically what I did is I offered Spencer basically a fair market value trade for one of his guys to upgrade one of my running backs, just so that if someone ends up wanting one from Spencer, they'd have to overpay. Pretty bold, bold uh, moves by Joe already off the bat. Joe's on that level five thinking instead of that level one. I'm kind of in the middle on the strategy. I kind of see what Connor's saying, how it could really end up backfiring. And since he'll be so thin at wide receiver, um, if he gets off to like an 0-2 or an 0-3 start and he's not able to make a trade with someone um, that really benefits his team, he could be digging himself in a pretty deep hole. But I can also kind of see Joe's side of it in that there are a few owners in our league who are obviously thin at running back. And maybe if he waits a week or two and a couple of running backs get injured and there's other people who are definitely looking to make a trade for another running back, he might be able to add um, you know, multiple four or five, six players um, through trades that really bolster, bolster his roster. I think that there are a couple teams in the league that Joe's talking about that have uh, really big issues at running back. And I'm going to raise my hand right now and say that's one of my, I'm one of those. But let me think about, let me tell you how I feel about my team, right? My running back two, I don't know who it is right now. It's either going to be Adrian Peterson, Giovanni Bernard, Dion Lewis, or Dare Ogunbowale. All right. I don't want any of those options, right? But I do have options. And if one of those guys is, let's just say, a low-end RB2, my wide receiver core, my tight ends, my quarterback, my other running back are so good, I'm going to have a great team and I have no reason to trade. The problem is I don't know if any of those guys would ever be considered a low-end running back too. I mean, you could say the same thing about the six guys that uh, uh, Spencer took no, not being I a running back one. Considered top end. I'm just saying, man. I, I, I spent like no money grabbing guys late in the in the draft who could be better than where they are right now, right? And if one of those guys hits, I'll never trade Spencer for running back. That's what I'm saying. You're saying they could be good, and like them being good is maybe like. I don't even want them to be good. I want them to be average. Yeah. I mean, if they're RB3s, that's fine. My team is so stacked because I was able to get guys I wanted at wide receiver who historically score way more points in a half PPR league. So for me, with with two open flex spots, I just don't see the point of me trading. Yeah, I just think with Spencer's running backs, um, to your argument, I think – kind of the floor for them is a running back too i think chris carson sonny michelle carry on johnson those guys could be pushing in to that running back that top 12 top 10 running back range uh, by the end of the year i wouldn't be surprised i could. think their floor is running back too so i think those guys no matter what they're always going to have value because they're going to be starting running backs on teams that run the ball a lot they're you know they're the number one guy so it's not like trading for a Dari Ogun Bowale, who maybe he blows up for two weeks and he's the best back for Tampa Bay, but then maybe three weeks later he gets beat out by Ronald Jones or someone else and he's no longer the guy. If you're training for Sonny Michelle or Chris Carson, you know that he's going to be that top back throughout the entire season unless he gets hurt. And that was also the thing that I thought was a little bit weird for people that were short on running backs. I thought they spent way too much money late already have good receivers what's the point on punting on these like taller receivers late you should be trying to pick up more like running backs late that are you know two or three bucks that could maybe pop off and become an rb2 so this will be really thanks joe joe did you just compliment me no not really because i thought you should have gotten maybe taken a couple shots like because for example i'll give eric colby a little bit of credit didn't really take any running backs early and 
probably overpaid for Austin Eckler, but he did take some shots on some running backs that I like a little bit later in the three, $4 range. He got, I know he got Latavius Murray. I know he got Rashad Penny who I don't, I think are high end RB fours right now. It could end up being like, if they have great years could end up being in that high end RB three, which would make them like a suitable starter in a 12 team league. So yeah, I'd be really interested to see what happens with Spencer's team moving forward. You know, I think, uh, like Connor said, we usually don't have a ton of trades in our league, but I think with the roster sizes this year and the amount of stars you have, I think it's going to bump up the amount of trades just because people are going to be looking to kind of either bolster their roster or improve spots where they're weak, where they're kind of starting these um, these lottery ticket guys. Yeah, so I, really I really hope to so. See. And that's kind of that was kind of one of the rationales, at least I thought of, is that if we increase the starting spots and the bench spots, hopefully that means you have a lot more ability to trade guys away because you have a little bit more security with the guys that you're not trading away. I always felt like previously in the league, our benches were what six, I guess, and I, it's like I'd want one guy I wanted to get rid of, but it's like I don't really want to trade five of these guys, you know, or maybe I don't want to trade four of these guys. So it really limited the amount of times that I personally wanted to trade. And I was actually in a different league, which was way more insane than ours. It added one more wide receiver spot than ours. It had seven benches, and there were a ton of trades because you had a lot of guys who just had really low value. And it's like, well, I'll take a shot on this guy. You give me this guy, you know? And it actually worked out pretty well. So I'm hoping that happens this year. The one thing that the extra bench spot and the extra flex spot does is it makes more guys have value in the league. So I actually agree with Connor on that. It is going to encourage a lot more trading. So I'd be curious to see what happens, especially with Spencer's team as we move forward. Last thing I, we want to touch on. Wait, about actually, the can I say one more oh, thing? Go ahead, Connor. I'm so sorry. I'm jumping in here late. I do want to give credit to Spencer for this draft strategy. I think it not only was it made the draft a lot more fun because in Discord we were we were kind of laughing, and then after, and then it was like funny because you saw people who were laughing in the beginning, and now all of a sudden they're like betting up running backs for way more than they're worth. So obviously made some people sweat late, which is awesome. And I mean, it could potentially pay off big. So uh, he definitely has huge cojones. I'll give him that. So yeah, definitely a boomer bust strategy. So last thing uh, we want to talk about the draft. Uh, yours truly had some frustrations last night, as some of you in the Discord heard. In the Discord. And, and in the Discord. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I picked up five players right off the bat, and they're all high salary players. So. I wasn't able to really do much bidding after that because all these guys were getting nominated that I had no chance at getting given my max bid. But, you know, as the draft went on and people were filling out their rosters, it would come my turn to nominate. And, you know, I was wanting to pick up some guys on my rosters to fill up some roster spaces. So, you know, the, the positions I was thinking about targeting quarterback, defense and a kicker, because, you know, it's pretty likely, you know, I'd be able to get all those positions pretty cheap. And so the first one I went after was quarterback because I was thinking, you know, I'd already seen a lot of quarterbacks go for pretty cheap off the board. And like Jared Goff went for a dollar and Carson Wentz went for a dollar, I believe. So I was like, you know, I'll be able to easily pick up a quarterback for a dollar. And, uh, you know, one of the quarterbacks I was pretty high on uh, was Kyler Murray. And, you know, it came my turn to pick. So I was like, all right, I'm going to throw Kyler Murray for a dollar. 99.9% sure I'm going to get him. So I throw up the bid. I think we had 20 seconds on the clock. It goes down, goes down to 10 seconds. Who's counting? Nothing. No bids. I was like, all right, I got this easy. Five seconds left. Still no bids. 
I got this easy. Two seconds left. $2 bid from none other than Ben Hazari. <laughs> Swipes my car in front of me. Pretty frustrating, you know. I think we all experienced it last night, getting someone stolen at the last second. Pretty frustrating. <laughs> but then I looked at Ben's roster, and it was his third quarterback he had drafted not only did he take Kyler Murray he drafted Carson Wentz and I can't remember who his last quarterback was Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield Mayfield. so he Kyler Murray was his third quarterback and you know correct me if I'm wrong guys but how many quarterbacks do we start in this league well how can I I can't correct or make that statement wrong because it was a question but to answer it we have one quarterback starting. So yeah, we only start one quarterback in our league. And there's not only Ben, but I think there's a few owners rostering two or yeah, up to three quarterbacks. And I just want to ask you guys, why? Why would you roster three of a position where you, at max you can only start one a week? And with only 12 teams in the league, there's 30 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Every week, I'm going to be able to find someone on waivers, if I want to, who is a starting quarterback <laughs> who has a pretty good matchup. You know, like if I looked on waivers right now, I could pick up Jimmy Garoppolo against the Buccaneers this week. Or maybe I'm feeling a little risky. I want to go with Josh Allen and see if he can put up some of his rushing rushing tolls for this year. So, And not only can you only start one quarterback, it's also the hardest position to trade because... Like I was saying earlier, everyone's going to be able to easily find a quarterback. So, yeah, you drafted these three quarterbacks. Maybe, I, you know, I might not be able to get Kyler Murray right now, so I wasn't able to start in week one against Ben. That's who I'm playing. Ben took my starting quarterback. But, you know, as rosters get, you know, people get injured and guys come up on waivers, if you want to pick anybody up, you're probably just going to end up having to drop one of those quarterbacks. So I just don't really get why anyone in our league would want to roster three quarterbacks. All right. Let me, let me just start from the top right here. I have a question for you, Eric. Now, what you're saying is that it is very uh, easy and um, definitely a, a legitimate strategy to essentially use the waiver wire to pick up quarterbacks, right? That's, that was one of your arguments as to not for people to not draft three quarterbacks. Is that correct? That is correct. So if that's true, then why are you so butthurt about not getting a quarterback, dude? If it's just so easy to go pick someone up. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm butthurt. I'm just, I'm just confused. I mean, you're bringing it up. It, it, you know, I mean, you're bringing it up yesterday, bring it up today. I mean, you know, call I'm, a spade a spade. You know what I'm saying? I'm just more confused at the strategy. Confused Some of our owners, me. you know, I like to think the EEIG you, you, is a top you know, of the line fantasy league. And I just you, wouldn't think in such a high quality fantasy league hmm. that people would be taking such a, a rookie strategy and rostering three of a position. Once again, rookie strategy is putting on everyone who had that strategy because you didn't get the quarterbacks you liked because you're butthurt. I mean, I'll hey, still Eric. be able to get a quarterback I like too. Really? Then why are we having this conversation? I just wanted to, I just wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> okay, right. Eric, I actually got an answer to this for you. So right. let's, let's see here, Joe. So Ben is playing you the first week, correct? Correct. <laughs> you tell so me that if, he, he stole him from him. So what if Ben is actually like thinking on like level nine, and like he's like, hmm, you know what? I'm playing Eric the first week. I really don't want him to start Kyle Murray against me. And it's going to be the, the difference between me winning and losing this game. And he's like, you know what? 
I'm going to bid $2 on Kyler Murray, so Eric has to start Mitch Trubisky against me. All right. So, uh, like, how did Mitch Trubisky do tonight, Eric? Mitch Trubisky, not good. <laughs> that off the bat. So, you know, ben Stra- if that was Ben's strategy, it did work out. So, yeah. kudos so, to you, Ben. So, but so I, would I, think- say, I would say that, one, even if he did think, you know, Kyler Murray, that's going to stop me. <laughs> there were still like 15 other quarterbacks that I could have spent a dollar on and draft. So he's right, just right. You could have extra dollar and a right. roster spot. A roster I know. Spot. Roster it's, spots it's are crazy. valuable in our league. It, you're roster, right. So why are we still talking about this? We have too many starters. You know, too many, too many valuable. The roster spots are just so valuable. You just can't be wasting them. But, on, but you can take Melvin Gordon for $17, but he's going to waste a roster spot. For who knows how long. But if he were to come back, he would be able to. If he would be at a position. Yeah, and and if one of my one of my five no name running backs go off, my team is sick. Well, you're still wrong about Melvin Gordon. But to to digress, the the person who did pick up Melvin Gordon, which was Curtis, he was also one of the people who drafted three quarterbacks. And I don't know if you remember, but in the Discord, he was kind of throwing some shade at some of the other owners for some of the players they drafted at quarterback. And I remember one specifically was uh, Tristan's pickup of Matt Ryan. He was he mentioned that uh, he's throwing shots saying that Tristan was drafting players who were good in 2014. <laughs> but I mean, he's got a point, but, though. <laughs> no, hear me out. One of the players that Curtis drafted, one of his three quarterbacks that he drafted was Tom Brady. So I want to ask Curtis, when was Tom Brady last good in fantasy football? I think okay. 2014 might be the answer to that question. Joe, Joe Ryan, already Matt knows. Ryan was quarterback two last year. Joe already the knows. I'm best quarterback say. behind Patrick Mahomes. Joe Tom already Brady. knows. I'm going to say Tom Brady. He got him for $1 though. That's a great, that's a great little pickup. You never know. The old man could still sling it. Matt Ryan for $8 though. Wow. But Matt Ryan was, besides Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan was the best quarterback last year. Tom Brady, even if he has a money matchup, are you really even feeling that good about starting him? Ever? As someone who owned Tom Brady last year in fantasy, it was incredibly frustrating. Like, Connor, would you ever want to start, even if Tom Brady was playing the Dolphins, would you really feel that good about starting them? Bro, I got Aaron Rodgers. I'm not even thinking about quarterbacks right now. This is why I think this whole conversation is absolutely hilarious. I'm standing on my, my little Aaron Rodgers castle watching Eric down with all the other peasants walking around with Mitch Trubisky's, you know, doing who knows God what, and I'm loving it. So would I start Tom Brady in a fantasy game? Uh, yeah, I guess. Depends on the matchup, but I think that there is probably other uh, waiver pickups that I'd like. So, you know, Ben, I just want to say, if, you know, taking Kyle Murray was all part of the, your grand strategy, it's definitely paying off so far after the first game. But none of you want to hear me complain anymore. So let's let's put the draft behind us. It's time to look at the first week of the regular season. We're going to take a look at some of the previews and uh, give our predictions. So let's start with, let's start with the, the first matchup I'm seeing here, which is... Connor McHugh, why so curious versus Hotel Motel Galday in Curtis Whittle. And you know, this matchup already got started tonight. Connor's up to a 12.8 to 9 lead. Connor it's misleading though because yeah, Bears Aaron Rodgers underperformed and the Bears defense overperformed. So in the current projections, Curtis is about a 5 point favorite. Let's start with Joe. Um, what's your prediction going into this matchup? 
So I actually still think this is like a pretty competitive matchup, kind of looking at the rosters right now. I think potentially the one thing that Connor has going him for this week is starting Gio Bernard. And I think Cincinnati could be behind early in that game. So I think it could be a situation where Gio Bernard actually gets six or seven points in that game where they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. I think it's going to be a relatively close game. I think I would pick Curtis, though, just because that he already got the overperformance from the Bears defense and the underperformance from Aaron Rodgers. But I think it should be relatively close. Yeah, I'm actually going to go. Uh, rebuttal time. Hello. Oh, right. um, let me just jump right in here. Everything you said was incorrect. First of all, my starting positions aren't even set yet. Who knows what I'm going to do before Sunday? Uh, but you are right. I'm probably going to leave Gio in there. I think that – Aaron Rodgers is underperforming. It's all right, but it was kind of already baked into his projections. He's only projected 15.8. He got 12.8, so it's only minus three. And the Bears overperforming. They only got 1.5 more than their projections. They got nine instead of 7.5. So I think it's already kind of baked into the uh, system already. The one thing I think that I have going for me is that I have a lot of um, stronger positional groups than he does. I think that Curtis is starting Miles Sander week one. I don't think he's going to score that many points. I think that he, David Njoku also not going to score a lot of points. And Dante Pettis may not score a lot of points. So that's three big question marks Well, where I don't think I really have a question mark besides potentially uh, Giovanni Bernard. I'm actually going to take the opposite view, Connor. I'm going to rebuttal against your rebuttal. I, I think I, I, I agree. Re -rebuttal. I agree or a re-rebuttal. Or a I think Curtis is definitely the favorite in this matchup. But I'm going to disagree in that Giovanni Bernard is going to be um, in a lot because of his pass catching abilities. I think Joe Mixon has shown that he's an all-purpose back. He's a three-down back. So he's winning or losing. I don't think Gio Bernard is going to um, give much production. And I would actually think I actually think there's guys on your bench who would be better starts than Gio Bernard. And I would actually argue that besides tight end, I think Curtis's um, overall strength at each position is better than yours. Um Obviously, I'd take Aaron Rodgers over Russell Wilson, so I guess you could say quarterback too. But I think at running back, the combination of Barkley and Sanders is much stronger than McCaffrey and whoever you decide to start as your second running back. And I just think the overall depth of his receivers is a little better than yours. I just wanted to let you talk so then next week when we look back on this game and you see my victory, we'll have everything you said uninterrupted. <laughs> <laughs> all right so you heard it uh two predictions for curtis and i don't even think we can count Connor's prediction so i think we'll say it's uh, two to zero wait no i think we should keep rolling predictions and keep track so we're gonna say two one all right um we gotta get like a score sheet for this yeah i mean i wouldn't be involved with it because obviously i won't be on all the time but you guys just need to like have predictions for each game every week and well you're you're the guest pick so we're, hopefully we haven't really talked about this too much but hopefully we'll have a guest on every week someone in the league who's interested or has the time so maybe we'll just have a guest call him and we'll see how eric and i do against a random person in the all right so well, we split on that one uh next we'll go to my matchup so uh myself versus ben hazari uh, my team is not off to a great start. Um, I had two players going tonight, Aaron Jones and Mitch Trubisky, who combined for 12.5 points. Um, ben did have one of his stronger players going, Devonta Adams. He didn't have a great showing as well, 5.6. But uh, even with that, Ben projected 101.6. Myself projected 95.4. Um, since I'm part of this matchup, I'll let you guys go first. So let's start with Connor. Sure. Um, I can't believe you're starting John Brown. Are you kidding? Um, and Deshaun Hamilton, dude? You started Aaron Jones? Is your team trash? I didn't know that. Let me just scroll down a little bit. Um, 
I actually think that this is going to be a competitive matchup only because Devontae Adams greatly underperformed tonight. Uh, if Devontae if Adams got his projection, which is about eight points higher than what he got, I think that uh, Ben's a clear winner. So I think it's a, co- a coin toss, and I'm going to go in Ben's direction. So, so I would probably agree with Connor. Right now, I would say Ben is a slight favorite. The one thing that Eric has going for him is that Ben does have Matt Breda in his second flex spot, and that's possible. That could put up like a zero-ish to four-point game, which would help Eric. I would say here is what I'm going to project. Eric needs Jerron Brown er, and Deshaun Hamilton to get 13 points combined. If he gets that, he'll win. If not, no. So I'm actually going to argue against Joe's point about Matt Brady, even though it would help Ben and not me. Um, I don't know if you guys saw today, but the 49ers came out with their depth chart, and Matt Brady was listed as the starting running back over Tevin Coleman. So I do think uh, Matt Brady, um, not a terrible play, and in a juicy matchup he has against Tampa Bay, I think um, he could end up being a difference maker in this matchup. And uh, it's hard to say, but I'm actually going to go with Ben as well after my start tonight. So make that a clean sweep for Ben. So let's move to our the let's move to Joe's matchup since we've already hit on Connor's matchup and mine. So Joe is taking on uh, Jordan Hazari, the last place in the power rankings versus first place in the power rankings. Um, Joe had one player tonight, Alan Robinson, um, really solid night for him. Seven catches, 102, 13.7 points. So Joe's up 13.7 to zero. Um, currently projected uh, victory for Joe at 112 to 106. Uh, let's start with Connor. What's your prediction in this one? You know, this is close. Uh, I think both teams are actually very good. Um, there's a lot of good depth at running back and wide receiver core for both teams, and both your tight ends suck. So very similar in that regard. I'm going to give the edge to Joe, um, only because historically his teams are luckier than average. I think that year after year his teams overperform where they should. And I, I, you thought I was Irish. I'm pretty sure Joe's way more Irish than I am. So without a doubt, I think that he has that luck factor, and that's going to push him over the edge. I'm going to go with Joe as well, but I do think this matchup is going to be a lot closer than a lot would think. Um, Jordan's running backs are his weakest position, but I think um, with his two that he does have, Mark Ingram and Tevin Coleman, um, I guess you don't know with Tevin Coleman and what the the share of the carries is going to be in the backfield, but like I was mentioning with Matt Breida going against Tampa Bay, really good matchup. Mark Ingram going against Miami probably the worst team in the nfl this year so also really good matchup so although running back is his weakest position um two really good matchups for him this week really good matchup at quarterback for jordan Jameis against san francisco and um obviously his running backs are weak but his receivers are really good so i think this one could be a lot closer than you might think but i'm gonna give the edge to joe joe you uh you, you got to give your prediction for yourself uh since we did for ourselves too Okay, well, obviously, I'm going to think that I'm going to win the game. I think what the difference is going to be, I think there's a pretty good chance TJ Hawkinson in his first NFL game. Rookie tight ends usually underperform. I think there's a decent chance TJ Hawkinson is in like the two or three point range, which is could be, end up being really detrimental. And I think that I'm going to end up winning. Joe, I actually, I've been keeping track of our predictions. I already had you penciled in as you thinking that you're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big shocker there. Not a shot. All right, so moving on. The next one I got, uh, Andrew McCory versus Chris Smart. 
this one a lot a lot of close projected matchups this week i gotta say this one chris is projected to winner at 110 105 neither had any players tonight so clean zero zero slate let's start with joe who do you like in this one so i actually like chris in this game tonight or in this game this weekend uh actually kind of surprisingly likes chris like chris's team I think he has relatively good matchups this week. I think Ezekiel Elliott against the Giants is a great matchup. I think Duke Johnson could be catching a lot of balls this week against New Orleans because they will probably be behind in that game along with DeAndre Hopkins. And I just think Chris has a lot of really good matchups this week. All right, I'm going to take Chris as well. Like Joe was saying, Ezekiel Elliott coming back, huge boost for Chris's team. On the opposite end of that, Andrew had Antonio Brown, and as we mentioned earlier, he's um, going to be out for the first week. So a big blow to Andrew's uh, receiving corpse there. So I'm going to give, because of that, I'm going to give Chris the edge. I'm also going to go with Chris on this one. Lame. So let's, uh, this is another clean sweep going Chris's way. Two more matchups to go, I believe. The next one is um, a team of much conversation in this podcast, Spencer versus Jerry. Spencer had Jimmy Graham tonight, who did catch a touchdown nice. and scored 10.5 points. So he's off to a 10.5 to 0 lead. Spencer projected at 108. Jerry projected at 109. Um, I'll start with myself on this one. I think... Uh, I think I'm going to go with Spencer's team to get off to a victory and put the naysayers down. I really like his running backs. I think he's going to get enough out of his running backs and Deshaun Watson, and he already got a strong performance out of his tight end. I think that's going to give him enough, despite maybe some of the weaker performances at receiver, to get him off to a good start. Uh, let's go. To, let's see what Connor has to think. You know, um, I think that... Jerry has a very good team, and I, I think Lamar Jackson is going to be a very fantasy-relevant quarterback. In fact, if I – I don't even know why I got Aaron Rodgers at $8. I was kind of looking at Lamar Jackson for a lot cheaper. Um, but for a variety of reasons, including the fact that Spencer's starting Marquise Brown and Randall Cobb at wide receiver, I'm going to give this to Jerry. All right, Joe. Uh, you guys split the tie. What are you thinking? So here's my thinking on this. I think with Spencer's running backs, he has pretty consistent points. And I think part of Jerry's team is he's got the Tyreek Hill factor where Tyreek Hill is usually, he's a really good receiver, but he's kind of boom or bust. He'll have a lot of games where he gets five or six points. And then once every three games, he'll have a game where he goes for 35 or 40 points. And I think against Jacksonville, Tyreek Hill is unlikely to do that. So I actually like Spencer's team this week because I don't think Jerry's going to get enough production with his team this week where Spencer should get some pretty consistent production with his running backs. The one thing I want to add to this matchup very briefly, and unfortunately, judging by what Jerry said in the Discord about our, our first podcast, which is that he only got about 10 minutes in, just, you know, short attention span. So he's probably not listening now. But Jerry, if you are, put in Tyrell Williams. You need to start him this week with Antonio Brown out. All right, some, some big advice from Connor there. Last matchup of the week, we got Hovey's Heroes, Eric Hovey versus Tristan. Uh, Tristan got five points tonight from David Montgomery. David Montgomery, I thought, looked really good tonight, just didn't really get a lot of touches. Um, Hovey projected with uh, to win with um, 111 to Tristan's 107. So let's start with Joe. What are you thinking in this one? 
Sorry, I'm just looking through these teams. I wasn't super prepared for this. Joe, where's your preparation? All right. I know, right? I mean, we bring on the podcast, you know, we expect good performance. This is actually probably the closest matchup, I think, of the week. I would probably favor Hobie right now, but I think going in before tonight's game, I would have said this is about as big a toss-up as any of the games. I'm going to take Hobie right now just because I think David Montgomery slightly underperformed. But this going in is probably about as close a matchup as there is in the EIG this weekend. Wow. All right, Connor, what do you think? Well, I think that's a ridiculous statement. Um, I don't think Rashad Penny is going to score what he's projected. I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is going to score what he's projected. He may, though. I mean, he's a great player, but he's coming off an injury. And I don't think Kenyon Drake's going to score what he's projected. So I'm going to go with Tristan this week. Did I just say that? I think so. And uh, I got to split the tie here. I'm going to go with Hovey as well. Like you guys are saying, really close matchup. Um, I just like some of the matchups that Hobie has with some of his bigger name players. I think Zach Ertz against Washington. Washington, obviously not a really strong team. I really like that matchup. Mike Evans against San Francisco. Um, a lot of uh, big play potential there. Michael Thomas against Houston. Even Kenyon Drake against Baltimore. Um, I think with the weather conditions in that game, it could be a really run heavy game. So I think Kenyon Drake could end up getting a ton of touches. And uh, even Austin Eckler against Indianapolis. Um, really good matchup there as well. But uh, like you guys said, it's going to be a really close one. But I'm going to go give Hovey the edge. And uh, that's all the matchups. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of the EIG podcast. Um, hope everyone made it this far and hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thanks for stopping by, Joe.